We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Once you get over the fact that the Warriors are terrible right now, and you're not going to the game with like the same fervor that you were you know the last like seven years and just take it for what it is it's it's kind of an enjoyable experience you uh you are a fan of mark Mulder. <laughs> mark Mulder's good <laughs> i know did you uh i thought of mark Mulder. i uh i became an ace fan when i or it brought me back to my really <laughs> hardcore baseball fan days uh oakland ace fan days you know you know it's funny Mulder was my least favorite of like because that A's team was stacked they should have won a world series they didn't it had you know whatever um but he <laughs> was my least favorite of um for nothing other than like when you're 16 17 you have like arbitrary reasons you like certain players and dislike other players um and it's like come on barry zito that curveball <laughs> was just super cool tim hudson super tiny and aggressive and Mark Mulder was like the quintessential like six six like pitcher who you know like just kind of the textbook guy I'm yeah like, this, guy's, not, this guy's yeah. boring yeah well you know what's funny too I bring this up just to say that Barry Zito and Tib Hudson won championships with uh with my SF Giants just that that's the only reason why really I just it's you know bait you in yeah whatever you to- <laughs> I still got a Zito jersey Hey, I got like my lefty, although Mulder was a lefty too. $126 million in seven years with Barry Zito. Uh, hey, before we, before we get on any longer with the Warriors, uh, it's been a pretty fun week. Let's do a, I'm going to do a bet online. Uh, read ro- really quickly. March has arrived. So it's March. We're recording Sunday night, March 1st. Uh, we are only weeks away shout, from the Shout big- out Women Empowerment Month. Is it Women Empowerment Month? That is awesome. She Believe Shirts. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I did see that. I actually didn't know what it was for. Uh, but there you go. Woman Empowerment Month. Uh, it is also March Madness Month. So 
So make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their 100,000 bracket madness contest starting March 15th. I mean, you can use Bet Online to, to bet on WNBA if you want. So that's right. I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and the XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the be for is the place for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. You guys know, fifty uh, percent sign up bonus. So throw in two hundred dollars, you get one hundred dollars. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Hey, did you know, you know, speaking of the XFL, who the number one pick was? Is it Matt McGloin? <laughs> uh, X-Raiders quarterback. No, it's uh, Landry Jones. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I did not people. know that. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, I was actually going to talk about the uh, about March Madness. Actually, the bet online promo is perfect now because I'm getting way more into college basketball. Yes. Um, if for no other reason than... What the Warriors do with this pick is it's going to dictate whether they win a couple more titles before the um, the core retires or not. And like even if it's because they trade the pick, anyway you slice it, they need the pick to be a positive asset. And that's kind of exciting. It, it kind of I kind of feel like I'm getting back to my um, childhood roots, where like every spring you got excited about college basketball because it represented hope for drafting that guy who's going to change the franchise. Yep. It's um that and then so we get to see the the problem is a lot of the guys there was a new draft board that came out uh with Washington. Oh, hold on, hold up. You, you or cut someone. Out on me, but Oh, did I? Uh, but I, I was saying there's a the All only right, problem with this Oh, I was going to say the only problem with this year's March Madness is like um a lot of the players aren't aren't playing, so I guess we're going to have to watch like a Euro League Euro League playoffs whenever that starts. Hey, I'm excited I'm excited for that too. Um you are right like the um the projected top 10 isn't necessarily littered with guys who we think will be um you know uh in the top 10 and it, like it just, it just doesn't match up. Like Kentucky is one of the best teams in college basketball. I don't think Kentucky has a uh a prospect the Warriors are considering in the top 10, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I will say it's such a a weird year. People call it a weak draft, but it's just a late moving draft. I don't rule out at least a couple players showing out in March and finding their way into the top 10. Like it, it's just not, it's not one of those drafts where everyone knows Zion's going number one. And RJ Barrett's for sure a top five pick, and like it's RJ not one of the Barrett. it's it's not one of those type of drafts, is all I'm saying. RJ Barrett. By the way, um, plug in for or a plug for Light Years Premium. We actually went through the top. What do we do? Like top fifteen prospects. We broke down our thoughts on all of them. Uh, Just the first one. We got week. we got another three months of this going. <laughs> We're gonna go deeper into this. We'll get on a couple of our draft guys. 
some some NBA scouts, some some people who know what we're talking about. But I, I feel like you and I were kind of trying to hold off on the draft coverage just because we know we got to do about three months of it, and it seemed pointless to kind of hyper analyze it in like late December, you know. Like, it seems kind of pointless to do that. Now we're kind of hitting that part of the season where it's like it's very clear the Warriors are going to have the worst record. Whew. Um, and it's very clear they'll have a top five pick. And we've now hit that part of the season where, you know, we know we have a good sample size on, like, Anthony Edwards, for example, right? <laughs> it, it's it's time for us to start putting our nerd hats on and digging into this. Um And... What else are we going to talk about? You know, the people want draft. And also, in my mentions, and people, it's kind of blowing up, too. People are kind of asking, and maybe we're just tweeting more about the draft, or at least I am. What are your thoughts on blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, I don't know. First of all, Tyrese Halliburton, I don't watch college. I don't, who does he play for? The the wa- Washington? First off, uh, you're, you're, you're bad at this. You got to lie and just say you know <laughs> you know everything. Like, well, we, you know, we, since that was like the 15th one, I have no no reason to. To act like I watched that one. Go on now. But the top so, the top six, seven, I, I have. Those, those to, are to put your point, um, Wasserman's mock last mock draft, and these these, you know, they put one out every two weeks and it'll change. Lamello number one won't be in March Madness. Anthony Edwards number two, unlikely to make the tournament unless they win their conference tournament. Denny Azia won't be in the tournament. Um Killian Hayes won't be in the tournament. Uh, Isaac Okoro will be in the tournament. We got to get to number five before we get someone who's at least going to be in the tournament. <laughs> and Cole, nobody's header of him. You know, he's not even a Cole big Anthony name. will be in the tournament, though he's missed most of the year. Wh- will he? North Carolina not making the tournament? They're pretty bad. Mm, actually, you know, you're right. Yeah, it's not a lock. <laughs> I take that back. Although it's he's just, been playing well, right? So I, I know that. I know he's been playing well. He finally started playing well. Yeah. Um, uh, a Congo with USC. I do think they're going to make the tournament. Um, Obi Toppin definitely making the tournament. Dayton's actually kind of a cool story. Yeah. One of the one of the more watchable teams. Uh, Tyrese Maxey will be in the tournament. Um, James Weissman will not be in the tournament. Anyway, we can keep going down this. RJ Hampton won't be in the tournament. My point is, it's you never know. Someone will show out in the tournament and move their way up towards the top. Maybe it's uh, you know. Sadiq Bay with Villanova or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but my point stands. It's 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 a weird thing, but now we got to start getting into the draft coverage. Yep, yep, yep. And you can bet on all the games. I mean, people do anyway. But if you are, use bet online to do so. Promo code BLUEWIRE. Hey, uh, let's let's go to the Warriors because <laughs> it's been a fun few uh, few days. Uh, Sam. Fun? Fun. <laughs> Steph Curry was supposed to play tonight. We're, rec- we're recording late Sunday night. Steph Curry was supposed to play tonight. Steph Curry's I was, camp. I was very annoyed he didn't play. <laughs> he leaked. Uh, Steph Curry's camp leaked to media that he was going to play tonight. Uh, and then he didn't play tonight. He's probably not going to play till Thursday. Um, did you see Steve Kerr's comments? At the soonest. We don't, we don't know that he's going to play on yeah, at Thursday. This point, right? we're, we're, yeah. we're hopeful. He's not going to play <sighs> Tuesday in Denver. So the next yeah. opportunity would be Thursday. Yeah. Um, I did. I, you know what? I'm not going to put Steph not playing on, on Kerr. Uh, I have a bigger issue with Kerr's other comments, but we'll get to that later. Um, to me, it seems like the team is being 
overly cautious. Um, there's a there's probably a level of gamesmanship to the tanking, but I also think there's still a level of KD tore his Achilles last playoffs, Clay tore his ACL, and they absolutely like they're they know they're not going to win any games. So it's about like uh, th- the one thing they don't want is a Steph reaggravation. They don't want that on their name. I actually don't mind that. I'm with you. Well, I don't actually. I don't know if you're you're saying that you don't mind them doing that or not. I actually don't mind. Like, hey, no, if you like want, that that part of right? it, I'm, I'm cool with. Right, like if look, if you want to sit them a week or so, whatever, that's fine. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. Like maybe they want to sit them another couple games, etc. But it's the expectation of what are we doing here? Like if he's gonna leak and say that that he's gonna play on Sunday or that he wants to play on Sunday, what's going on? At least kind of. Try to get on the same page. It doesn't seem that they are. So that's the interesting part. I I think you and I <laughs> <I'm> feel <yelling. laughs> very very confident that um he did leak that the, the leak that he was playing the first came from Steph's Steph's camp. Whether it was from Steph directly right. or not, you know who knows, right? I don't want to I don't want to you know guess on that, mm-hmm. but it clearly was not a Warriors related source. By the way, something people can notice. Champs is a uh, tends to get more agent, more player stuff. Woj tends to be a little more team related. So I don't know. That's just that's just an observation I've had over the years. Do you disagree with me? Sam has sources from both agents and team. Uh, shut, but yes, sh- shut the fuck. Anyway, <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, so when when I saw that go out, I was pretty confident it was a Warriors related thing. Has Shams ever broke a Warriors related story? Yeah, no. Um, it's tends to be the player stuff. So um, I think, I think I feel fairly confident in saying Steph leaked. He was playing Sunday. He might've thought he was going to play Sunday. Right. Most athletes tend to think, uh, you know, they can push through whatever. Right. Most, most athletes also have the kind of the final say. So that's true. That is true. Um, and so th- that's what I think happened. I don't think he's happy. They can't play now. Now this is what we need to talk about. Why is Steph so desperate to come back? He he knows. He knows what the team's record is. It's he knows they're not going to the sixth straight final this year. <laughs> you know, like there's a he could pull a Draymond and just be like, you know what, I'll come back when I'm ready to come back. And and that's that's the thing. I, I that's the thing about Steph. Though I think we've known for a while, and and now it's the first time that we've seen him hurt something that's not his ankle or his knee or lower body. It's like a hand. I think he's kind of – he's not like annoyed at what people are saying, but I think for him it's just like, man, he's been out a long time with a hand injury, even though it's rare. Maybe maybe a little stir-crazy. Yeah, he's just like he, – he's right. Like anybody that in, is in the NBA, he wants to play. Um, and I think for Steph more so than a lot of players, it's just it doesn't matter if they suck. Doesn't matter if they have twelve wins. He just wants to go out there and play basketball. And I think that's kind of you see the the differences and maybe part of why we're annoyed at Draymond Green is does it look like Draymond Green wants to play basketball this season? At no point this season, unless he's playing the Houston Rockets, has it looked that Draymond wanted to play out there. If Steph was playing out there, right, he would be just it didn't matter if the team sucked or not. He would just want to play. He like that that Draymond double technical and getting ejection, honestly, kinda of embarrassing. Like what was that, right? I don't think you'll ever see Steph do something like that because he, it, it, it's not in his DNA. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. I do think losing this whole year to a freak injury and not like 
you know, Clay is dealing with a ligament thing in his leg, and there's a lot more reason to be a little cautious and serious with it. Like breaking your offhand feels as freak as it gets, right? I think it's. I think he's a little stir crazy. I think he's ready to go out there and show people what he can do, and I think he just wants to play. I think he. There's not even a lot of rehab involved with the hand. Like there's some, but it's. Uh, yep. It's. Yep. I. You know. Yeah, it's uh, nerve damage. Like, that's something that we've never really heard before. Like, we can't tell if that's a big deal or not. So it's like, uh, it's a it's a weird it's a weird circumstance. I think the important takeaway, and we're going to get to the quote here, the important takeaway for me is if he wants to play, for a guy of his stature, a champion, MVP, the guy that kind of turned this, the guy that actually turned this franchise around along with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and, and then Kevin Durant. That catalyst to all of it. The most important one. Well, yeah. Why why is he not getting more of a say in this? It, it, at least it feels like. Um, and that's kind of so concerning. You can, you can push it the other way and say sometimes you got to save a player from a player. Yeah. You know, like sometimes a guy needs to be. Steph's going <laughs> to. He's going to say everything's cool. He's uh-huh. always been that kind of guy. Sometimes you got to stop a guy from himself. Um, he is angry. <laughs> you were right. You said that earlier. But then Steph is also the type to just be like, after a day or two, like, all right, like, I get it. Right? I get it. I'm not going to hold any grudges as well, far as we know. My whole thing is, if he, let's, let's just say you're right. Let's say he plays Thursday or mm-hmm. Saturday. So basically his return was pushed five days, right? In three weeks – no one's going to remember it, right? It's going to be one of those things where it's like, it's not a big deal. It's more of if he never comes back this season that there'll be a lot of anger and resentment. Well, I think a lot of Warriors fans' resentment does revolve around kind of Steph just doesn't seek out that power that someone like LeBron James has. Uh, So that's part of it. And then the other part is, I think, what Steve Kerr said. I think it's just really what he said that kind of (laughs) made, well, myself... I had a long thread on Saturday morning just kind of saying, like, listen, like, uh, what you say may make sense, but why are you saying it? Right? Like, what's the point? Um, I have it in front of me. Um, okay. And Let's I'll read it. This is, this is the thing that yeah. bothered me a little more. But, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. So, um, Steve Kerr, I think it's important for Steph to play without all the guys we've lost who are not going to be back next year. KD, Iguodala, Sean Livingston. Steph, in many ways, has depended on those guys as sort of a giant security blanket. For a guy who is so skilled and talented, this has still been a team effort over the years, and he's been blessed with some of the smartest players and most talented players in the league, and so etc. So it's going to be a different look for him. It's going to be important, blah, blah, blah. But I think the key part there is Steph, in many ways, has depended on those guys as sort of a giant security blanket. I think that's kind of what set fans off. Yeah, continue reading the statement. So it's going to be a different look for him, and I think it's important. He only got three games before his injury, I think it was. So it's important for him to feel the difference because it feels different for us. And with all these young guys, we're trying to teach them on the fly, and a lot of things that we have taken for granted over the last five years, we can't take for granted anymore. Steph needs to feel that himself, and so that's a big part of this last quarter of the season that he's going to be a part of. Your thoughts? Yeah, I... (laughs) So let me let me take Kerr's angle on this first. Objectively, he's correct that there's one guy in this roster Steph played with last year, Draymond Green, right? 
Like any way you want to slice it, no matter what you think of the talent, they weren't players on the roster last year. Damian Lee played a handful of games as a two-way player, you know, but like Marquise Chris wasn't there. Um, Dragon Bender wasn't there. Uh, You know, Andrew Wiggins wasn't there and I can just keep going down the line. So there's that, but it's like the way he words it around staff is always dismissive of it comes across like Steph is the beneficiary of his genius system as opposed to the opposite. And I think that's what irks you and me. Ooh, I think, I think you just made the point. Uh, I think that's the key point is that Steve Kerr is trying to, it seems like make it a lot about himself than, than he should. And I think objectively you're right that, or he's right that, Look at what Stephen Clay did with Mark Jackson. Look at what Stephen Clay did with Steve Kerr. Right. Look what look look what happened sure. that first year. Literally number one or top two, three in offense and defense, and then they won a championship. But in this situation, I don't see like I really don't see an upside of saying this. Right. I really don't see the upside of saying Steph being this accomplished and this good and saying, well, you know, he might not have the players around him, so essentially he might not be that good. Or he's gonna have to. Here's judge. a here's what a better way to put it. Would he that? say would he say this with Draymond? Because Draymond's been terrible all year, and all he's done is, oh, it's a really tough year for Draymond, and I applaud him for pushing through it. Which to me is a lot of playing politics and a lot yep. of him. He knows, you know, maybe Draymond's not happy, um, for a lot of reasons. Probably some are his own reasons for his own play, but he's trying to play you know he's doing the smart thing which is like <clears throat> make Draymond feel good about himself I just don't understand why he has to do this with Steph right so yes so what Steve Kerr does very well also is kind of managing egos but we saw the issue like your question would he do this with Kevin Durant we saw him kind of tell Dur- Kevin Durant to pass the ball trust his teammates and then they took the video off uh they took the clip off of uh, social media because both guys were pissed Steve Kerr's like why is this getting out there KD's obviously not happy um, with that going out, uh, this was the first time they played the Houston Rockets, if you remember, um, when they beat them in seven. Uh, and this is when they lost a couple games. And so that would never happen with Kevin Durant. It almost feels like, well, since he can't kind of do it with anyone, and Clay Thompson just doesn't care about anything, it's like, well, well he still he's gotta, doesn't do it with Clay. <laughs> he's got to do it with Steph Curry. Like, that's the guy that he can do it to. That he's not slandering him really, but it's like that's the guy where he can kind of say what he really feels, right, uh, to the media and kind of almost receive no backlash. Because these, like, what Steph really said in the last five years, like, that's really been like, you know, kind of against Steve Curry. He's kind of done nothing, right? He kind of doesn't say or doesn't act, doesn't do anything outside of like, remember the time in Christmas when he got benched? Uh, he wasn't happy about that. Uh, but like, Beyond that, Steph kind of at the end of the day just says, well, whatever. Like, I trust you. And, and I think that's what gotten a lot. Got, that's what's gotten a lot of fans pissed off. It's like, the team sucks. They haven't had Steph all year. Steph's been the important play, most important player, as you said. Let's give the guy a little more credit uh, <laughs> with a team that's been so good and now is so bad. It's like, Steve Kerr, no matter how good you are or how good your system is, you got 12 wins. 13. They won in Phoenix last night. Point loony, <laughs> baby. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, the more interesting question is like, does Steph care? I don't know. 
I, I do know he wanted to play Sunday mm-hmm. night. And he's always going to want to play. Maybe maybe he got over it. Maybe when he got held out of it, he was angry for yeah. four hours. And he's like, you know what? One extra week, not a big deal, right? Um, or maybe not. Those, those are just the things I worry about. It, there's a lot of belief that like no one's in, you know, Kerr's infallible or whatever. You just never know how these things are going to play out. All I know is it's, uh, it's frustrating. And you know, when he's back, he's back. Yeah. Um, I I was like, why are you saying it's it's whatever? One step free agent, two years. (laughs) Yes. Two years after this year. We'll see. Uh, I'm not going to be that dramatic, but, uh, I think people, I think some of the, some of the some of my friends or some people even uh, in my mentions are asking me like, hey, like, what's what kind of negativity around this? And I'm like, well, the thing is, this is not the first time. If this was a first time, it's like, all right, it's a slip of the tongue kind of thing. But the, the, the what we're what we're this is kind of a trend that we've seen over the years. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, if Steph doesn't care, then you know, whatever, who cares? There's be really a lot of again. there's a lot of belief yeah. that Steph will just take a discount mm-hmm. and they'll get the next superstar and everything will keep going. And I don't think you can operate that that's all a given. Well, I think this year, as much as it's, let's just say, a blessing in disguise where everyone gets a break and they get like this top pick and it's an asset and like you can see the plan for how you're going to, you know, put together a new run around the core. It's also a reminder that like no matter how light years ahead you are, no one's perfect and things get really fickle really quick. God, that yeah, that's a that's a great way. To, that's a great way to put it. Um and I think that kind of leads us to the uh segue to to Andrew Wiggins. Um I wanted to talk about Andrew Wiggins uh because uh, that's that's kind of the most interesting I think part of this last 20 games of the Warriors season. He started off really good and watching Yeah, we saw, the, we saw like the idealized version of what you hoped Wiggins would be (laughs) and then now I think the last week two weeks uh, he's reverted back to I think what we thought Wiggins was when the Warriors traded for him right just to kind of low so efficiency yeah low effort you're 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 thinking you're thinking otherwise no no you're right he's he's come down to earth the efficiency has been worse um it's, he 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 does try on defense. He hasn't had a um, low energy defensive game, but he does float out of the game a lot. Um, for me, I actually I'm just I need to see him with the rest of the roster. At this point, nothing he does next to Jordan Poole. That's fair. Damian Lee. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> Mark friend, Mulder. Hopefully, friend of the show, Kai Bowman comes back sooner than later. Uh, um, none, none of this means anything. Like I was at the game tonight and to call it a glorified scrimmage would <laughs> kind of be an upgrade. No one's trying hard versus this team. It just is what it is. Like teams aren't coming in here, you know, trying to embarrass Wiggins and Pascal. They're coming in here and giving them the most half-assed effort of but- all time. And, and then the secondary thing is now mm. Wiggins being asked to handle the ball much more because they don't have a point guard. His handle's bad, isn't it? It's not great. It's, it's he's not great. he's fine off a dribble handoff, cutting straight to the rim. But like, if you're asking Ooh. him to create off a pick and roll, like 
it's that's not a winning that's not a winning formula. That's not who he yeah. is, right? That's, yeah. That's kind of what Minnesota asked for years from him. And I mean, we saw the results of that. It just never worked out. He's good as a cutter. He's good spotting up. He's good attacking closeout. And he's got the tools to be a good defender. All that kind of translates to that should work next to Steph and Draymond being the lead ball handlers in the Warriors system. But that's not what's going on right now. I think part of it too, the friend, another friend of the program, Ethan Strauss, he does always say like, listen, the summer league doesn't make you a good, doesn't mean you're going to be, it's not a harbinger whether you're going to be a good NBA player, but if you're not good in the summer league, you're probably not going to be a good player. And so for me, it's like with Andrew Wiggins, he, even if he scores 30 points on, you know, 20 shots a game, it doesn't mean he's going to be great next season with Stephen Clay. But the fact that he's not really scoring well, he also can't shoot free throws. Uh, to me, kind of tells me like, well, he's probably he's so hold going to be better. But T- tonight he was nine for 19, 27 points, eight for eleven from the line, six rebounds. I will take a six rebound Wiggins performance. Six rebounds is, I think, the most impressive part. Two of assists, that, of that two line, steals, right? two blocks. Yeah. Um, I thought Wiggins played a good game, and actually, the bigger thing that stands out for me is how easy he gets twenty points. Um, the other thing that stands out for me is how non-impactful they feel. Like, they just kind of happen, right? Like, you look at the box where you're like, ah, oh, 22 points. I don't remember any that mattered, you know? Like, it's a lot of, like, a backdoor cut when it's 7 to 12. You know, like, a lot of, like, little things like that where it's like, it's not that it's bad. It's that just, like, none of this matters because they're awful. They're playing five guys on 10 day contracts. And like we all, all I'm learning right now is Wiggins, not the dude who's going to lift a bunch of scrubs, but I knew that. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's funny that we used to say the same thing about the guy that played Wiggins position last year with KD who scored 28 points and you didn't really notice. The problem is that the Warriors were the best team of all time and he scored 28 points. So you're like, well, that guy's really damn good. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think that's for point. I think with Wiggins, it's like, yeah, he did. He did play pretty well today. But you kind of like, yeah, I didn't even know he scored. I didn't even know he went nine for nineteen. You know, I didn't even know he had six boards and twenty eight points and you know two blocks, two steals. Like, I, didn't, I didn't even realize that. Um, honestly, looks even a little quieter than Harrison Barnes. But uh, but again, he's a much different player. So I, I, I he's averaging twenty. Harrison Barnes would do that and average ten. Yeah. So like that. That's the other. That's the thing that makes me. I don't want to say excited about Wiggins, but like. He's got he he's got the ability to put put the ball in the basket at a higher clip than these other role players we've talked about in the past, and there's some value to that when Steph and Clay are there. You know, I think that's uh that's another I think that's one of the reasons why Steph wants to come back come back as well is look man it, Draymond's you know he's obviously not that hurt he probably could play but he's not playing um, he, but I think he'd that's be part pl- of he'd be playing if there were one game. One game up on the eight seed or something like that. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think part of it is, well, let's get Draymond, you know, relatively healthy back on Thursday or whatever when Steph's coming back. And then Steph comes back and they can kind of see like a semblance of what ne- next year is going to look like and get in some rhythm. Steve Chris said that. And I think that's kind of fair just to say, well, Steph's going to play 15 games. Get Draymond to play those games with Wiggins as well. It's it's an, it's a nice kind of um, rhythm uh, for those guys before the, uh, before the end of the season. So... I mean, I don't think the Warriors are going to win 60 games next year, right? So you want them to be as in rhythm as possible for when the season begins. And I think that's uh, it's kind of important for them to play 
15 games even even if uh even if dragon bender is gonna play most of the backup big minutes actually i don't know he's he might need another 10 day i don't know so we'll, uh maybe he won't be the big yeah i mean he, here's your best case steph comes back and draymond comes back so you have steph damian lee wiggins draymond and like marquise chris mm-hmm. obviously clay is going to be a lot better than damian lee but there's a little facsimile of a, a guy who can kind of shoot the ball there um it lets you at least kind of play with what it could look like next year. And if the coaching staff will see like, okay, it's certain actions bring out the best of the two of them. So I wouldn't actually think they're going to win many games because any, any way you slice it, uh, Steph would have to play 42 minutes a game for them to win a lot of games. Like they're going to put them on the bench and it's going to bleed points. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I don't think there's any reason to be like, Steph, you play in 42 minutes because we need this April 8th win against Portland, you know? It's actually the exact opposite one of what they're going to do. They're probably going to play him less. They're playing 30 minutes play. on the dot, and we're going to see a lot of, oh, they could have won that game, but it slipped away in the minutes he sat. It is egregious tanking. Lakeup said he wouldn't tank, I think, beginning of the year, but that's all lies. Um, And, and I think it's the right move. I mean, what, what like you said, what, what do they get to win? Uh, morale seems to be pretty good with the team anyway like these guys don't look dejected or anything like that maybe that's because they're just used to losing but i think that that is what steve Kerr has done well this year it's just like guys do seem happy uh they seem like they're playing hard like jordan Poole plays hard even though like i really don't know what the hell he does out there half the time okay, can we talk about jordan Poole for a minute <laughs> what a weird player what a and, just, and like uh, in good ways and bad ways they drafted him. I'm like, all right, they got a guy who can shoot. <laughs> and his shots got worse as the year's gone on. Awful. Like, he he misses the rim way too much to be known as a shooter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Clay goes through some cold spells, and but people contest him hard. But, like, Clay doesn't miss the rim. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, side of the backboard shots where I'm like, what is going on here, you know? But By the this, way, same thing with Damian Lee, by the way. But yeah. Keep going. At the same time, it's like, I didn't know he could handle like that, and I definitely didn't know he could pass like that. Like, there's, and he is really competitive. That's actually my favorite thing about Jordan Poole. He's, he's angry. He plays angry. There's like a level of, he thinks people are laughing at him and he really wants to show them up. And I kind of really respect that. And I'm like, that's the sort of stuff that makes me want to, you know, like hold on to the Jordan Poole stock and see, you know, I'm not, not pretending. That, that what he's doing now is good enough if the Warriors are a playoff team next year. But it makes me intrigued enough to want to see what he's got to do next year. I'm with you 100%. And it's like I think that the difference between him and someone like Patrick McCall or a couple other guys at the Warriors' draft is the guy is just confident. And like he lost a little bit of it, but like he goes straight to the rim like he knows what he's doing. He's um, angry. He's angry. Uh, yeah, he... I mean, he doesn't exactly. pout. He doesn't pout. He actually like takes it out on the court. Yeah, you're right. Actually, McCaw's a great example because like I feel like McCaw would float out of games yeah. and kind of kind of sulk. I don't even know if sulk's the right term. Like it makes it sound bad, but it's like when he gets like passive, where it's like he doesn't want to touch the ball or do anything. Like Jordan Poole goes the opposite way, where like if he makes mistakes, he gets really angry and wants to show he can do something good. Yep, I think that's uh, and and at the end of the day, it's also like. We all love to to say it. I mean, if Steph comes back and Clay comes back, 
you know, get that three-pointer up to maybe 35, 36%. I, what is it? At like 29 right now or some awful, god-awful number. Um, but that's might, might be closer to 25. Oof. oof. <laughs> but just get that thing to – just get that shot. And his defense is pretty atrocious. But how old is Jordan Poole? Like 20? Yeah, he's, um, he's on the young side for his yeah. his uh, his grade level. So, <laughs> um, the, the defense is bad, but the effort is not bad. Yeah. Um, so I uh, so playing him in point guard has been a nice touch of uh, of coaching uh, by Steve Kerr uh, and the staff because you know if that defense is going to be that bad, maybe he's just going to be a full time point guard, and it seems like he he can be a full time point guard. Well, he's he's going to be way Back more up. valuable point guard because he's six four. He says six five, but he's closer to six four. But like six four is good for a point guard, right? Yep, yep. Six four for a shooting guard, you better be JJ Redick, you know. Like yeah. it's just, it's like all things, you know. You better be a lot better if you're gonna be that small. Um, I'm I'm in on Jordan Poole. I want them to grab a veteran guard to go with Steph and Clay as a third guard. So then it's like Jordan Poole and Damian Lee is the fourth, fifth guard. So there's a little less dependence on him. It's like, hey, if they're if they're rolling, I'll let them play more. But if they're not, I don't need them to play more than ten minutes. Yeah, I mean it's like veteran guard. It's like Ricky Rubio is like the perfect kind of guy. It just I don't even know why I keep bringing up every podcast, but he's got the perfect guy to play with. Uh, he's a good defender, uh, good ball handler, good decision maker. High uh, IQ, high IQ. He's my kind of guy. Uh, all right. Well, we're, hey, we're over half an hour in. I do want to talk about one more thing because I find this fascinating as as the season comes to a close. Uh, Giannis and James Harden beef. So it started with Giannis at the All-Star game pretty much essentially saying, hey, we wanted to go at James Harden because he doesn't play any defense. Actually, he also doesn't draft James Harden because, well, we want guys who can pass. So that's two jabs that Giannis throws at him. Can we talk uh, about the passing one first? <laughs> because um, the same way people who don't value stats and go with like the eye test can annoy you where it's like, I don't care what the numbers say. He's clutch, right? Like those type of people are kind of annoying. The same thing annoys me. People are like, actually Harden averages twice as many assists as Kemba. It's like, okay, watch the game. It's very clear what Giannis is saying. Everyone knows Harden's a great passer. The point is not that he doesn't know how to throw a pass on the money. The point is that he dribbles the life out of the ball. So when Giannis says, I don't want, I want, you know, he doesn't pass the ball. Giannis talking about the fact that like, if the ball gets to Harden's hands, it's going to stick. Cause he's going to dribble for 20 seconds. Um, you literally just have to watch one Rockets basketball game to understand what he means. It's not like he's, it's not like he's saying it's something. It's not a complicated point. That's no. the, th- that's what's annoying about it. Um, okay. So that's, that's uh that's a Giannis, I guess, quote unquote slander. By the way, since Giannis is pretty much a fob, uh, the, uh, I think you tweeted this that um, that sometimes I don't know if he kind of means it as slander. I think that's just kind of how people, Fabi people, kind of just say stuff. And uh, yes, that's, yes, that's might have been what Yana said. Where, where your dad, where your dad just tells you it's like, oh, you got, that that's good. It's not a hundred percent, but it's good. You know, <laughs> just like oh, they well, just. Oh. I was feeling really good about myself, but you just like matter of factly told me I wasn't that special. Thanks. <laughs> so that might have been part of the Giannis thing as well. Anyway, James Harden comes back this week and uh, and does an interview with Rachel Nichols and essentially says that if he was seven feet tall, 
uh, he would be the same as Hardy. He wish he was seven feet tall. He doesn't need any skill uh, to play like Giannis. So uh, we have a good old-fashioned uh, player-player rivalry uh, going in the NBA, which we haven't gotten in a long time. Just outward kind of um, outward, uh, not hatred, but outward kind of disdain for each other from two players, right? I think Steph and LeBron were there, but neither of them would say that they didn't like the other guy. Super passive-aggressive. So I think with, with Giannis and Harden, isn't it kind of like a breath of fresh air from from two kind of MVP candidates? Absolutely. And it is kind of along the Steph-LeBron lines because it's a very clear divide between the the type of player who wants to control the ball and the type of player who wants to play a team ball game. You know? There, I, to me, that's the biggest divide in the NBA. The players who want full control over the offense to do to show their skills and the dudes who want to win and are willing to be a little more coachable and do a little more sacrificial stuff. <laughs> it is It is like in terms of play style, Steph is the version of Giannis where, hey, he's in the system. He puts up great numbers, winning a lot of games in very little minutes. Uh, sometimes maybe probably could – ask for the ball more, and then James Harden's on the LeBron side where everything is catered to him. The stats bear it out that way. Um, and you see and him you can't deny the talent. Him. You can't deny yeah. the talent, but like sometimes you wonder if they're willing to sacrifice in certain ways with the bit, team yeah. better. Yep. And we've never seen, I mean, really LeBron or James Harden sacrifice, have we? Like LeBron in Miami, I think. But like, have we ever seen any of those guys sacrifice really anything? They've kind of had their way pretty much every day in the NBA um, pretty much their entire career. Yeah, and yeah, that to, to me that's just an interesting thing because like to me the NBA is kind of divided among the personal brand guys and the guys who are a little more committed to team ball, and that's like the number one theme of the league right now. Like you, you can say what Russell Westbrook too, another guy like that, and then you got Joel Embiid, who. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have like his annoying qualities and like some of the other stuff he does in terms of his inability to like stay healthy and kind of ride guys doesn't, you know, isn't a negative. But like, I don't think he's as committed to everything being about like Embiid getting his triple double. <laughs> right, right. I think well, I think the Boston Celtics are a pretty good example as well. Right, they've got a good coach. I mean, they don't have like a super. I mean, Jason Tatum's getting pretty close. That Tatum, he's, I mean, he's on that whew. path. If he if he plays like this, he's he will be. But you know, we need to see it a little longer. Yeah, we do. And I know I you mean, love you know, Tatum. You know, I'm bought in. I, yeah. I, but I'm trying to I'm trying to play it straight. I need to see it for like at least half a season before I'm willing to throw him in that category. But that's a just, team that just to be team. clear, he's still in my top ten. <laughs> that's a team that gets it though, right? Like that's a team that's they're they play with Kemba, each other. Kemba versus Kyrie. Oof. I mean, that's just, I mean, I mean, just look at Tate. Just literally the example is Tatum, just the difference between Kemba and Kyrie. It's like, look, man, if you're a good player in the NBA, anybody can put up 30 points, right? Like, like Kyrie can put up sick numbers. Kemba can put up sick. He did put up good numbers in Charlotte. They both but it's did, like, yeah. But it's like, but it's like, can you get the rest of your team to, like, can you, can you get the rest of your teammates to play well and then win games and then, like, not be a goddamn locker room cancer? Like, like that's pretty important and for someone like Kyrie it's like well you're just not that good to, to do it the way you are it's like with LeBron it's like yeah I mean although the Lakers locker room is pretty good but it's like there's been bad locker rooms with LeBron but it's like it doesn't matter because he's just that damn good 
But it's like, yeah, it, right. it's like kind of the secondary guys where you're like, like Jimmy Butler, I think is kind of wad, like he's kind of in that line, right? Where you're like, you walk in it. <laughs> it's a good locker room, or is it a bad locker room? Is he a? Is you he know, all about Jimmy, himself? Jimmy's funny because it's fair to wonder why is there always drama with this dude, and your point's very fair. But at the other hand, when's he been wrong? Was he wrong about Towns? Was is he wrong about Philly? Like, I mean, it's that's that's what makes him really interesting to me because it's it's funny because it's like I you you kind of wish he didn't do all that stuff, but on the other hand, you're like, but he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not he's not wrong, but then you're like, he's in Miami now. Miami's been struggling the last few months, and it's like, all right, now he's got pretty much everything that he needs. He gets to say he's the hardest worker. He gets to play on his own team, et cetera, et cetera. Three it's like, straight from the club to the gym. <laughs> Those are my favorites. Sorry. Uh, but it's also, well, you're probably maxing out as a second-round team, right? And so if you're okay with that, you're okay with all the, the show and, and all that and all the talk, and, and you're okay with the second-round exit, which is probably what they're going to be, you know, then okay. Then you're, you're, you're a Jimmy Butler guy. But almost it almost feels like, He's probably never going to be more than that unless he's willing to kind of take a step back a little bit and and and, and uh, play on a better team. But I don't think that's, that's not Jimmy Butler. I think he's just he's just a second round best player on a team, second round player. So, <laughs> what's the uh, context in which Jimmy gets over the hump? Because I'm with you, Jimmy. He can't be the best player on the championship team. Nah. But I don't know that he plays the game. I know that he's comfortable taking a step back like he wants to prove he can be the man yeah isn't the nba littered with guys like that too though like there's but hasn't it always historically been yeah like and there's been a lot of guys who have been that way and then like later in their career they're like all right you know i'm i'm 29 i'm 30 and it's you know look at russ i think russ is kind of like that yeah by the way do you buy houston (laughs) Last week after me saying, by the way, people are not happy with me saying I uh, I like Houston. Um, buy them what? To win a championship or a chance to win it, like a contender? Here's a better way to put it. Um, who do you think is the favorite to win the title? Oh, the Clippers. That's right. We forgot to talk about this. Uh, my, well, my, we, don't, we don't need to talk about it, but run down where Houston is in your rankings of team. Do you think uh, they can win a title? So it's so it's Clippers, Bucks, Lakers, Rockets. So, yes. I think okay, they, so you have I think the, they more have a chance yeah, to get you, to the title. You cut you cut out a little bit, but you're but you have them after the LA teams in Milwaukee. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you I believe I, Do you feel better about their chances this year than you do in the past? Well, I think part of that is the Warriors aren't there. True. So I think that's, I was, that's part I, of it. I, I kind of set that one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think you're with me in that it, it they they did it was kind of a genius move to get go get Rob Covington and then get Capella out of the paint and then you've got two guys. I mean Harden can score, but he's not like the greatest shooter. But you pretty much open the lane up for James Harden and and Russell Westbrook. Who I mean he's a bricklayer, but it's like it's almost perfect. Um, so it's like perfect construction. The problem is you can't. There's no way they beat the Clippers and Lakers back to back. That's the problem, right? They could beat one, but they're not beating both. That's a month of, yeah. I, I guess with the Rockets, I don't actually have an issue with the concept of what they're doing. I just don't know that they have enough players. 
Like Covington and Tucker is a pretty perfect small ball front court, right? But you have no backups like Jeff Green, DeMar Carroll, <laughs> right? And it's a uh, – I, I just feel like those playoff minutes will start wearing on them. Yep. I So the, the real question is how many rounds they can get through that way. And I think they're going to be a tough out. No one's taking them in under six games. But at a certain point, guys' legs start going. Rotations become slower. And um, that that's kind of where I'm at with them. They're all in on it. And, I, you know, maybe they can physically hold it together for one playoff run, and that'd be amazing. But it seems – I could just as much see it go the other way, right? Yep. And so I and I'm watching. We watched the uh, uh, Lakers Pelicans play tonight. No Anthony Davis, and the Pelicans aren't very good, even though they're fun to watch. But I think in a close game, LeBron's beating Harden and Russ every time. The thing, the thing why I take the Clippers is in a close game, Kawhi's probably better than LeBron. Like that's the difference. It's like it's probably going to be a close game. Kawhi's pretty damn good, and so I think that's a difference too because you're not trusting Harden and Russ in a close game most times. More often than not, even though they did beat Boston in a close game. Yeah, um, that's where I'm at. I do think, though, what makes it interesting is I think it'll take the Clippers or the Lakers four games to get comfortable in that series. I think it's probably 2-2 after four. And at that point, it's anyone's game, right? Like, all you have to do is get hot for a, for a game, and all of a sudden it's 3-2, <laughs> right? You so, go yeah, you go 15 for 27 or over 27. Anything's possible. Right. <laughs> okay, well... I think that's it for us this week. Um, hopefully, Steph will be back soon. I'm getting a little, getting a little angsty. Maybe we were a little too angsty in terms of fears around the team. Who knows? Yeah. Though. Yeah. You never know. Could could go away. I'm, I'm not like. I think these are just questions that need to be asked. Yep. And uh, you know, if Steph leaves in two years, he does. So we'll be recording <laughs> Light, Light Years Premium uh, or later in the week. Remember, bet online. Uh, go bet on, go bet on game. Blue Wire, fifty percent. Uh, bonus so <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon